Alhamdulillahi wa kafa Wassalamun ala ibadihin ladhi nasafa Amma ba'd Fa'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Walladhina jahadu fina Lanahdiyannahum subulana Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. One of the great signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's magnificence is the fact that he created us. And when you look at the intricacy of the human being, it's completely mind-boggling the balance with which human beings have been created and the detail with which human beings have been created and the perfection that exists within the creation of human beings. And that, independently, is a miracle. But you can go one step further, and what you see is that not only has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created human beings, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also created the means for human beings to be able to fulfill all of their needs. Now, that is phenomenal. Look, it's, it would be one amazing feat to create a single human being. I mean, that would be amazing. It would be far beyond any of the technological advances that you see before you today. Honestly, the technological advances that you see before you today are just peanuts. Uh, an iPhone, a Tesla, whatever you consider to be technologically advanced today, it's nothing compared to one human being. You cannot even compare it to one organ of one human being. Forget about one organ of one human being. You cannot compare it to one cell of one human being. You cannot compare to one cell of one human being. And I would even say you cannot compare to one cell of yeast, any cell, any cell. You cannot compare the technological advances today to any cell that exists in the world. How advanced a cell is. Now, subhanAllah, to put those cells together and to, to be able to have them function in a concert where you have organ A and organ B and organ C and all of these organs are working together in this beautiful symphony, that's completely mind-boggling. And that's a human being. How many billions, trillions, trillions of cells? You can't even count them. Trillions of cells, all functioning in concert, such that each cell is being able to provide and fulfill the needs of the next. The gut is transferring all of the energy from the food that we eat, and it's transferring it to other parts of the body, then the red cells, the blood, et cetera, is carrying it, the heart's pumping it. All of these things are working in a concert. Where did this happen? This happened randomly? It's not possible that this happened randomly. People like to claim, scientific, scientists today like to make the claim that we have explanations for all of this. But honestly, when you go deep, deep, deep into their explanations, you find that eventually they have to take leaps. Those are leaps of faith. They say there's an unseen force called randomness. 
There's an unseen force called the invisible hand if you're thinking about economics. All this stuff is unseen, unseen. What are you talking about unseen? Unseen is the same thing we claim. We say there's an unseen Lord that actually has created all of this. It makes a lot more sense than some of the unseen things that people like to claim in this day and age. Anyway, I don't want to go into that topic. That's a, another whole other topic. But my point here is that human being, one human, one cell is amazing. The human being is phenomenal. And then you go one step further and you see that not only has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created human beings, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mass produced human beings such that all are the same, but each is unique. All are the same, but each is unique. Now, you know, you look at a Tesla, people think that Tesla is some sort of technological advancement. Everybody talks about Tesla, Tesla. It's one same car. Each car is the exact same. There's no uh, uniqueness to each car. Every single car is the same. Every iPhone is the same. Every uh, computer is the same. But human beings are created in this perfect balance. And what is that balance? That balance is such that human beings are made that each of them are compatible with the other. They're all similar. I have, an, I have a liver, you have a liver. I have a heart, you have a heart. But at the same time, you know, I'm Hussein and you're Zaid. And you can uniquely identify Hussein and Zaid. Each one is unique. And each of us are different in their own ways. There's no two people in this room that are alike. And I, this room is just a small subset of humanity. There's no two people of the billions, of the billions of people on the planet, there are no two people that are alike. Even twins, who are exact genetic copies of one another, still have environmental differences that make each of them that unique, such that if you interacted with them, eventually you could differentiate between the two of them because of their personalities and their characteristics. So subhanAllah, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created all of humanity in such a unique way. Now, you can go one step further. That's phenomenal. Like I said, one cell is phenomenal, then human beings are amazing, then the diversity of human beings are amazing, then the fact that human beings have been created as males and female and female is completely amazing. But you can still go one step beyond that. And that is that human beings as a species, they have needs. Human beings have needs. And I have a need to eat, I have a need for shelter, I have a need for clothing, right? These are three basic needs that everybody would appreciate. And maybe we can add a fourth, every human being has a need for companionship. You need to exist in a society, in a community. So, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not only created human beings in the most amazing way, but he's also provided for each of their needs. Now, Understand that those needs are independent, right? I mean, for example, let's give you an example first, and then we'll go to how, how, how you can put this together. But for example, I have a need to eat, right? Now, the food's not coming from me, and I'm not like eating my arm. I'm eating something external to who I am, which is being produced by its own miraculous circumstance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes the rain to fall, he causes the ground to be able to receive it. He causes the sun to be able to, to warm it and heat it and provide light for it. And then from all of that, these plants begin to grow. All of that's independent of me, that entire cycle, which is phenomenal, amazing. You can sit here and give lecture upon lecture upon about the science of everything that exists external to human beings. All of that is doing what? It's producing things that I am going to be able to interact with and I'm going to be compatible with, that's going to allow me to be able to derive what I need. SubhanAllah. I can go and I can eat an apple, 
and the apple is providing me with the specific nutrients that are necessary for my body to be able to function. It's providing me with the fiber that's necessary for me to be able to digest. My body actually independently has the enzymes that are necessary to be able to digest that thing which was external to me. Again, it's not a part of me. It's not that the apple grew from my arm. It's completely external to who I am. Yet I'm able to engage it and interact with it in the most balanced way. That I can take exactly what's necessary for, and beneficial for my body but at the same time, I could release all of the things that are not necessary for my body, but as I'm releasing them, those go back into the environment, and the environment can process them in a certain way that allows the environment to be able to benefit. I mean, just a simple example, I'm breathing out carbon dioxide, the carbon dioxide is going to the trees, the trees are making oxygen, I'm breathing in oxygen. This perfect cycle of two things that are distinct from one another. Again, the tree is not a part of me, right? It's distinct from me. How, how, how is it that I'm perfectly created, the trees are perfectly created, there's this symbiotic relationship, there's this perfectly complementary relationship which allows both to exist at the pinnacle of their existence and it's supposed to be that this came out of nowhere. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, you, could, you could claim one piece of it came out of nowhere, but how did all of this reach its perfection and then the entire thing falls together in this perfectly placed symphony that is an indication of something beyond it. I mean, we should reflect for a minute. Every time we look at anything around us, we should reflect for a minute. And in fact, the Quran tells us to do that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing himself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that made the earth and the skies, and then from the skies caused the rain to fall. And then from there he caused fruits to grow, which become a sustenance for you. SubhanAllah. I mean, the Quran is telling us to open our eyes. The Quran is telling us to open our eyes. This is the opportunity that we have. Now, you know, today's world, I'm not discounting the scientific world that we live in. Again, I don't want to go off on this topic because I get very heated about it. And I also, think, also, it's just not what I want to talk about today. But the point is that all of the science of the world merely explains, it's creating explanations for things that already pre-exist. It's just creating an explanation. But still, you still have to put the bigger picture on top of it. You can't get caught in the details. What's the bigger picture? The bigger picture of this is all in perfect unison. Everything is functioning in this perfect symphony. Where is, how is this symphony occurring? There's no conductor? Of course there's a conductor. No symphony can function without a conductor. On top of that, where did it all come from? So, subhanAllah, the world around us is just a continuous sign. And not only is it statically a sign, meaning statically it would be a sign, that a tree independent of itself, just existing in a moment's picture is an amazing feet. Amazing miracle. But then the fact that the tree is biologically active and at every moment is distinct from its past. And then on top of that, the fact that I'm biologically active and every moment is distinct from my past. Each moment is unique. And then these two things are cross-interacting. And it's not just me and the tree, but it's me and the sun, the sun and the tree. Me and the ground, the ground and the tree. Me and the fruits, the fruits and the tree. Each of them are individually interacting. I mean, think about this biologically. You all know, you studied a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of physics, a little bit of biology. You know that there are these receptors everywhere in the body. Chemical, right? Any, any kind of chemical reaction. It's dependent upon the molecules being able to fit together in a certain way. 
Receptors, particularly like on cells and things, they're very, 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 very sensitive. They're very, very particular about which molecules can fit into the receptor and cause a reaction. How? How is it that these external molecules from the world are binding these receptors and these receptors are then knowing what to do? How did that occur? All of this perfection, just random? It's not possible. Now, subhanAllah, one of the things to appreciate when you think about this, and the scholars, they make a very interesting observation, and it's really, really worth writing in gold. They say that, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, one of, the unique, one of the unique signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation is that not only has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created, but he's also provided for each of the needs of creation. Okay, now we're, you have to understand this point because then I'm going to take you to the next point. Again, I'll repeat it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created humanity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created humanity. And along with creating humanity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all of the things that are necessary to fulfill the needs of humanity. Okay, do you understand that principle? So let me repeat one more time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the sun, which also provides us with warmth and also provides us with uh, energy in the perfect balance. The sun is just perfectly at its distance and is just perfectly at its brightness and is just perfectly at its energy, is just perfectly at its warmth, and the entire atmosphere from the sun all the way to the earth is perfectly created to receive the energy, receive the light, capture it, make it beneficial for us, and our receptors are designed to respond to the wavelengths that are produced by the sun. That's just one simple example. But the point here being that we had a need, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfilled that need externally. So again, every single, here's the principle, Every single, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created humanity, and one of the miraculous natures of this creation is that every single thing that is necessary for a human has also been created for them by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Quran is demanding this, as I just mentioned in these ayat, part of an ayah a few moments ago, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's the one who created the earth as a ground, and the sky as a canopy, and the rain, which then hits the ground, Earth is a ground, the sky is a canopy, the canopy which rains, the rain which hits the ground, the ground which produces fruit, and you can eat from those fruits. So do not associate with Allah partners. Now look, here the Quran says, A, B, C, D, so do not associate with Allah partners. Meaning, open your eyes, figure it out. How could this be? Look at this amazing relationship that's occurring. This is not a a relationship in which there's partners with Allah, there's only one Allah. Now, the scholars that take this one step further, which is also very important for us in this day and age to appreciate, which is that human beings are actually two parts in one. Human beings are two parts in one. Human beings are a physical avatar. Now, you can use avatar. Everybody knows avatar nowadays, unfortunately. Human beings are a physical avatar, but there's the essence of a human being, which is a soul. Correct? So, well, you're, you know, you, you, you just come into this world, and here you're moving these arms, and you're, just, you're, you're sitting in this avatar. Right? This isn't you. This is just a temporary avatar that you're able to move the arms, you're able to eat the food, you're able to taste. The essence is the soul inside of you. It came from one place. It got put in this temporary avatar. This avatar comes out like a little baby and then eventually grows. And then eventually you throw this avatar back in the dirt, but the soul is actually what matters in a human being. So let me ask you a question. 
if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided for every single need for this avatar, which is called the body, then tell me, wouldn't it, of course, make sense that Allah wouldn't provide for the needs of the soul, which is the essence of the human being? That's the point that the scholars, they make. Now think about this one more time. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has so beautifully balanced and created the entire universe, I mean, the sun, the distance of the earth from the sun, the way the ground is designed, all of the nutrients that are present, the ability of the body to digest, all of that is for what? All of that is the miracle of the avatar. It's all, all of it is a miracle of the temporary body which gets thrown back into the dirt eventually. If the reality of a human being is the soul, then wouldn't it make sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would also provide in the same way for the soul or actually even more so for the soul? And that's exactly what the deen tells us. That's exactly what the deen tells us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to provide for the soul, has sent prophets and has sent revelation. And that those prophets and that revelation was sent for the purpose of fulfilling the ultimate need of a human being, which is what, what is their spiritual soul, the needs of their soul, the food of their soul, the growth of their soul, the development of the soul, the cleanliness of the soul. That's the essence of the human being. So we have not only this perfect world around us, which we can engage with, which can provide and take care of our bodily functions, but we have this amazing guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is a great mercy of Allah, just as great as the ability to have food, have rain, have sun, have shelter, have clothing, have housing. Even more so, I would argue, that the spiritual needs of a human being are being fulfilled by the sending of messengers and the revelation of books. Because otherwise, where would we be? We would be left to our own whims. And when we're left to our own whims, you see what happens. Go back in history. People begin to worship moon. People begin to worship the sun. People begin to worship the sun god and the moon god and the this god and the that god. And they make others god and they make stones god. They make idols god. You know, when the Prophet ﷺ was sent, if you go back in the seerah and you study, when the Prophet ﷺ was sent, it was, a, it was an utter darkness, time of utter darkness. When the Prophet ﷺ was sent, it was a time of utter darkness. Now, people sometimes pick up a history book if you've taken AP World History or you've studied any history of the world, you can go back, you can say, wait a minute, what are you talking about? The world was in utter darkness. Look at this civilization in this part in China. Look at the civilization that was occurring. Look at the Roman civilization at that time. Look at the Persian civilization of that time. They were relatively advanced, so how can you tell me the world was in darkness? Everybody wasn't walking on their arms and uh, living in caves. But that's because we have a misconceived notion of what darkness is. We're, the, life is not about eating and drinking and creating big buildings. That's not the purpose of humanity. The purpose of humanity is the soul. If the, if the avatar of the body can produce beautiful homes and spend lots of money on ourselves and feed ourselves and clothe ourselves in all of these beautiful things and drive these cars, that's not the purpose. All you've done is just layered the avatar with another shield. It doesn't make a difference. The darkness that arises is when a person doesn't realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created guidance for the soul and that the needs of the soul are taken care of. So when we say that the world was in utter darkness at the coming of the Prophet ﷺ, what that really implies is not that society or civilization was in darkness, but that humanity was in darkness because the essential need of humanity was missing. Revelation was no longer present. The, 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 the essence of prophethood was no longer present, present, meaning the fact that guidance is being sent for the soul, it had been adulterated and contaminated and wasn't available and wasn't present. 
So the reality and understanding that all of us should appreciate is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He provides for all of the needs of a human being. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides for all of the needs of a human being, He provides for both the body and the soul. And the sending of messengers, in particular the Prophet is a expression of the guidance for the soul. And this is an opportunity for all of us. We should first of all appreciate this, this great gift, just as much as we're grateful for the food that we have, just as much as we're grateful for the ground that we walk on, we're grateful for the sun and all of the light that it sends, we should be even more grateful for the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a messenger. That messenger reestablished how to maintain the soul. That messenger provided us with guidance which we would never have been able to determine on our own, left to our own whims, left to our own understanding, where would we be? And we're able to take benefit from that and we're able to polish the soul, grow the soul, develop the soul in such a way that we understand what's success in the hereafter. How would anybody be able to know what success is in the hereafter if we didn't have a message from a messenger? Nobody knows what's happening in the hereafter. Nobody knows what, hap what happens in the grave. Nobody knows what's going to happen in that there's a Jannah and a Jahannam. The messengers tell us that. Allah sends, this, sends the messengers, in particular the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu they established that, hey, wait a minute, pause here, this is your body. Don't make your body your goal. Your body is going to be thrown into a grave. When you eventually get into the grave, you're going to have to answer for your deeds, and there's going to be a judgment. And the purpose of this world is not to enjoy, but rather it's a test. And that this test actually is going to be graded, and that that grade is going to have consequences, consequence A and consequence B. All of that, where did that come from? I would not be able to conceive that. You would not be able to conceive that. In fact, if you look at the people who use their minds to try to understand the spirit, you're going to come up with all these religions with all these ideas that don't answer any of the questions. Study Buddhism. Study uh, many of these uh, you know, ideas which are not revealed, revealed religions, but basically re uh, religions which people became spiritual and began to think and ponder about what the reality of their existence is and how they should maintain themselves in this world. They have all these different ideas that they came up with. But they don't come up with this conclusion, which is the conclusion that we believe to be true. So this sending, the fact that, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created has created the means for all of our bodily needs to be fulfilled is actually a sign for us that he also created a need for our spirits to be fulfilled. How could it be that every single need of the body is fulfilled, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have left the spirit unattended? It's not possible. It's not possible that he would, not, he would have left the spirit unattended, particularly when the spirit is the essence of the human being. And the attention of the spirit, the attention of the soul, actually comes through the sending of revelation, through the appointment of messengers, who basically then tell human beings what their essence is, tell human beings how they can achieve success in this life and how they can achieve success in the hereafter. So in this day and age, particularly, when there's so many questions about, you know, and okay, let me actually say one more thing here. A lot of times people like to claim that they're independent. I'm a free thinker. I'm independent. I don't, I'm not bound by anybody else. You know, this is the world in which we live in, right? Where everybody basically thinks that they can make whatever decision they want and that they, don't, they're not, they're, that they can come up with what's best for themselves. Fine, there may be some space to do that. And certainly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left that uh, void open for human beings to be able to think and to be able to reflect and to be able to make choices. But 
No one can tell me that they're absolutely free. Let me just say it this way. Does not every single person need to eat? Is there anybody in this room that can stand up and say they don't have a need to eat? Why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created food as a biologic need. There is a biologic need in every human being to eat. There is no exception. Nobody here can tell me that they don't need to eat. So I will say the same thing, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created within the soul a biologic need to find its reality. Now, I don't, you can't call it biologic here. You can call it metaphysical. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created within the soul a metaphysical yearning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created within the soul a metaphysical yearning. It yearns to follow something, to submit to something, and there is nobody on the planet that doesn't follow or submit. There's nobody on the planet that doesn't follow and submit. All human beings do. All human beings do. Even the people who claim themselves to be independent are submitting to something. They're submitting themselves to something. If you go back and you look at history, every major civilization had a religion. Why? Why do you need religion? Why? Why do you need religion? Because it's a need. It's a human need. So they fulfilled it in different ways. Sometimes they fulfilled it with the Greek gods. Sometimes they fulfilled it by sacrificing human beings to energize the moon, whatever it might be. Go and read the Aztecs, read the Greeks, read every civilization that came and went. Every civilization that came and went had a yearning inside of them. In the end, they create some concept greater than them, which they call religion. It's not revealed. It's made up in their own minds. They come to conclusions that don't necessarily make sense, but that's human nature. And if you take away religion, then all that happens is people begin to follow something else. When people are attached to something, or they're involved in something, or engaged in something, they begin to follow something. Why? Why is it that when, you, uh, when a team uh, makes a contract with a major uh, player, they print the jersey before they even, before they even uh, release the contract details? You know, if I'm going to sign, I don't know, uh, whoever the greatest football player is today, make any name, okay? There's a great football player, and I'm going, I'm, I, I, I own the Chicago Bears, for example. I'm going to sign this player. Even before I uh, announce that I signed him, I'm going to print five million jerseys. And the day that I sign him, he's going to be holding his jersey like this in front of the TV. Why? Because all of you are going to go out and buy it. Not you, but you, humanity. Humanity is going to go out and buy it. Because it's human nature. Who's an, an, who's an independent dresser? If you're an independent dresser, then you might be dressing like how they dressed in the 1300s. Why everybody kind of looks the same? Nobody here is dressed like the 1300s. Because there's no independence like that. People are dependent. People will follow something. It's created within them. It's, their, it's the nature of the soul to need to follow. Now, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to fit the uh, molecule with the receptor. So we're supposed to take the soul and submit it to the prophets. We're supposed to take our desire for something above us and to recognize that that thing that's above us is outside of the box of creation. Outside of the box of creation. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. We don't, worship anything, we don't worship anything inside of the box of creation. No sun, no moon, no person, no idea, no ideology. All that's in the box of creation. It needs to be something that's perpetual, that's from the beginning, that is the beginning, that is the end, that is infinite, that's magnificent, that's beyond. That's only Allah. That whole concept for us is just called Allah. Allah is not a being in the way that you imagine a being because anything that you can imagine about Allah, Allah is beyond that. We can't even be conceived, the human mind can't even conceive Allah. 
Yes, there's examples that the Quran give to help us to understand the magnificence of Allah. But the ulama, they say that anything that you think Allah is, he's beyond that. Because he's outside of the box of creation and your thoughts are contained within creation. You're always comparing against something else. Allah is bigger than the Eiffel Tower, right? Because the Eiffel Tower is the biggest thing in your mind. But it's still rel it's all relative. When you say big, you mean bigger than something else. You can't imagine. Human beings cannot imagine this box of creation. All we can say is that anything that falls in the box of creation is not Allah. Everything, and Allah is who he is. La ilaha illallah. So, again, you come down to this, you know, beauty of Islam, which basically, like, takes everything around you and makes absolute sense of it. Look at the earth, look at the sun, look at the moon, look at the ground, look at the trees, look at the fruit, look at the fact that you're eating the fruit, look at the fact that you're digesting the fruit, look at how the fact that the vitamins, the exact vitamins in the exact... Um, and the exact molecular configuration that are needed to bind the receptors in your cells, which your cells have never met the tree, let alone the fruit, and that perfect molecule is coming and is binding the receptors and producing the perfect effect which creates, which allows your body to be able to maintain itself. If that type of precision and the miraculous nature of the interactions is present in the bodily interactions of a human being, then of course it would be only make more sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would send similar, um, similar things that are necessary to fulfill the spiritual needs of a human being. And that's the great blessing of the sending of the prophets. That's the great blessing. They create an example for us. They teach us to recognize the importance of the body, but the greater importance of the soul. And they tell us how to purify the soul. They clarify for us that everything created is created and that Allah is above and beyond this creation, that there is nothing worthy of worship except Allah, that this Allah has created this body as a test, this world as a test, that we're going to come and go, that there is going to be a day where we're going to be placed in our graves. And on that day, we're going to be asked about every single thing that we did and that there will be a consequence to how we behave and that consequence will be Jannah or Jahannam. That's the essence of a human being. Look, I can sit here and scratch the surface of science, and I can tell you how amazing it is, and I can spend my whole life studying receptors for fats that are present in the body and how they process the fats and how they balance everything and how they take the amount, right amount of fat and bring it into the cell and then allow the cell to be able to heal and repair itself. And we could be mesmerized by that. But what does it matter if the whole thing is going to be disposed of anyway? What's the end result of all of creation except that it's going to be turned into dust. Now, does that mean that we don't engage the world around us? We don't learn and study and appreciate all of the magnificence of our Lord? Of course we do. Does it, does it mean that we don't advance ourselves and that we benefit humanity by understanding the body and all of the world around us so that we can uh, take care of the body in new and unique ways? Of course we do. And in fact, it's rewarded. But my point here is that it's not the purpose of our creation. It's not the purpose of our existence. The purpose of our existence is one and only one thing, which is to recognize that there is nothing in this box of creation worthy of worship except Allah. We don't worship our ideas. We don't worship our prizes. We don't worship our minds. We don't worship the um, you know, uh, other people. We worship only Allah. And that's what every prophet came to teach. And that's what every prophet essentially fulfilled this void. And this is the great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he has provided exactly what the soul needs. Exactly what the soul needs. And the prophets come, and just as perfect as an apple is to bite and to receive energy, 
and to produce all of the beneficial effects in the body in the same way the sunnah has the exact same effect on a human being. It is the perfect, it is the perfect uh, composition for the soul. It's the perfect composition for the soul. Every human being, if they submit themselves to the sunnah, will find that all of the spiritual needs of a, of a person are perfectly granted and allow the soul to be able to elevate itself and achieve its final goal. That's very, very unique. It's just, it's as definitive as eating an apple and being able to take the nutrients. It's just as, even more so, even more so, you're going to find perfection in the sunnah. It knows exactly how to balance the needs of the soul and provide for that which allows the soul to be able to grow and develop and achieve its ultimate aim. So when we think about the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent upon us, sure, we say bismillah before we eat. And sure, we look at the sun and the moon and the skies and the ground and the rains and the fruits and the trees and the animals, and we're completely blown away. But even more amazing than that is the Prophet them and the sending of the Prophet them and the fact that revelation came upon the Prophet them and the sunnah of the Prophet and the ability to enact that sunnah of the Prophet This provides for us that perfect balance. And subhanAllah, it teaches us how to engage the world around us, teaches us about the soul, and it teaches us about the ultimate reality, which is the consequence of what happens after and beyond this world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to appreciate all of his bounties and blessings upon us, and may he make us amongst those who are able to appreciate that not only has he provided the needs of the body, but he's also provided for the needs of the soul.